Greetings, PVIC, and welcome to the Post-Church Podcast, a time where we reflect on this week's sermon and go over some practical questions. Um, Obviously, we don't have our brother Neil here with us today, so things are a little bit different. Um, But we're going to start off with a little summary of this week's sermon, so Pastor Billy, take it away. Thanks, Sean. So uh, we're here uh, in our Lord's Prayer series on... The final petition of six petitions that we find uh, in the Lord's Prayer. And the sixth and final petition of the Lord's Prayer transitions us from the fifth petition about forgiveness for sins in the past to the vulnerability to sins beyond today and into tomorrow. So acknowledging that temptation and trials and testing is necessary for our spiritual growth, uh, we must pray that God will give, will keep us from temptations that would ultimately destroy us. And um, we must really empty ourselves of all spiritual um, pride, if you will, um, in that endeavor. Uh, We must also pray, acknowledging that victory over the enemy can come only through God's power as we truly depend on him. Um, And ultimately being willing and able to authentically pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, um, is a key to our own uh, spiritual health. Great. And this week's questions are going to be ones that I know that all of us can, can practically use because we know as, as the scripture says in 1 Corinthians, there are no temptations that have overcome us that aren't common to man. So our first question today is, uh, is this. Pastor Bill, you mentioned today that the proper prayer shouldn't be that we never face temptation because we know that temptation is common to all of us. But what do you say about those who struggle with putting themselves in a position where they're prone to falling. Yeah, so there's a distinction to be made here. Um, And there is a real difference when you talk about understanding that temptation is a part of our life and our walk and part of the nature of just human existence. But to sort of willfully kind of put ourselves in positions for temptation um, is not really what we're talking about here. Um, That's um, kind of a presumptive sort of way to to go about it. Um, And really it, it goes counter to everything that scripture really tells about, tells us about our, our walk, right? That, um, we shouldn't be living passively and somehow throwing ourselves into situations um, where where we could be prone to that. Um, that's kind of, I think, a misunderstanding or a misapplication of what um, the, uh, the prayer is kind of calling us to. Really, it's a different sort of mentality of one prayer and a different mentality around uh, suffering really and how we as Christians deal with it um, 
for me, I think it's a good example is to go into the first century church, right, and look into Acts. And when you look at how the church prayed, it was, um, I think, sometimes in stark contrast to the way we pray as individuals today and the way the church may pray at times. So, for example, you think about um, Stephen when he's in that trial and ultimately he's being stoned. Right. And the prayer he offers up is, Father, don't hold this against them. Mm-hmm. That is somewhat shocking, but is in line for what God has called us to in terms of understanding suffering and understanding prayer. Um, you think about in Acts chapter 4, when uh, Peter and John return to the believers after being um, threatened by the religious leaders to not to continue to preach, essentially preach the gospel. And they return back to the believers and they begin to pray. And if you look at that prayer in Acts chapter 4, the prayer that they pray ties in very tightly with the Lord's Prayer. Interesting. And when it comes to, um, if you look in Acts chapter 4, and when they start talking about the testing and the trial and the threat, this is what they actually uh, pray. In verse 29, Acts 4, 29, they say, And now, Lord... Look upon their threats, meaning the threats of the leaders that were threatening them to not preach the name anymore. Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Hmm. So there you see a prayer not to remove the trial, right? Not to make the trial disappear, but for the boldness to go through the trial. Right. And that's it's a different understanding of prayer, it's a different understanding of suffering, it's a different understanding of temptation that would run counter to the idea of us willfully throwing us in, ourselves into situations where um, we can be tempted to sin versus praying for God to take us through the trial by His grace, by His mercy, and by His power. I think that's very helpful, thinking about it from the perspective of the early church. I think there's a lot of benefit we can yeah. have from going back to the way the early church prayed right we can we can take that and we really see that it lines up with the lord's prayer exactly yeah that's great second question the second question has to do with kids so you had mentioned that ever since um, eden satan has been contradicting or in a sense perverting what god has said and what god has established so I have two kids, you have two kids, many people in our congregation have children or are going to have children. How important is it for us to teach our children the designs that God has established before they hear and accept um, what the world might tell them? In other words, um, what Satan, the enemy, has done to pervert those designs. How can how important is it for us to teach them those um those foundational concepts before they get the counterfeit. So there's two. I think it's two main things to think about. One is to know fundamentally, clearly, our responsibility as parents to disciple our children before we get into a timing sort of situation. Mm-hmm. You have to come all the way back to understanding the 
cherished responsibility that we have to disciple uh, our children. Uh, that God has called us to that. Like we are called to that. Um, you know, and if we, you know, if we kind of go about and we're doing this or that, that, and doing all these other things, and we neglect to like disciple our children, we've really missed out on something. So, one, it's understanding that, yeah, that's we're called to that. I think sometimes the mistake that parents often make is that um, they're playing defense. Yeah. Because they're getting in the game too late sure. as far as trying to teach their children um, biblical concepts and God's design because um, their children have already heard the counterfeit. Yeah. So now when you get into the idea of the timing, right, it's, I think it's, it's very important to... Um, be having gospel conversations um, just from the very beginning, right? To be be able to um, be of the mind to look out into life as you are walking with your children and seeing opportunities to um, bring to them the character of God, the purposes of God, um, the truths of the gospel, um, there are gracious opportunities all around us all the time from just how we're living to do that, right? right. Um, so we need to take advantage of those opportunities because, as you mentioned, if we wait, there is a clear, defined message that will come from the world that is consistent and persistent mm -hmm. and pervading that is opposed to God and it will be coming from every angle and every source so um, you know I'd say be be in there early and often with your yeah. kids mm -hmm. um, around uh, these issues um, children are remarkably curious and are already forming all kinds of um, opinions and notions uh, about faith and about God and about the gospel. They're, they're already beginning to make those connections in their mind. It's our jobs to be sort of translators of the gospel to yeah. them. Even though you think of translation, you think about it as uh, from one language to another, but really we're trying to translate the the, the truth of the gospel into their mind into their lives and we're, we're called to do that and um yeah we should be there early and often because um yeah there's gonna be there's a there's a consistent message that that they're going to be getting from all kinds of other sources and, and we're called to graciously walk them through through all of that i think that's wonderful especially as we're getting closer to june and what's going on in our culture and what our kids are going to be hearing um, finally, last question. Um, you mentioned today that Jesus' approach was different than the typical approach. Um, he recognized the power of evil and confronted it with the power of the kingdom of God. Now, that sounds awesome, and it's absolutely true. It is absolutely true. But how do we use that approach in our practical life? How do we use this with a particular temptation, i.e. anger, substances, 
pornography. How do we confront those temptations practically with the power of the kingdom of God? What does that look like? When you talk about, well, when you talk about the kingdom, you cannot separate the kingdom from the king, right? The source of yeah. the kingdom is the king. And the idea of God as king, as of our Lord, our ruler, and that there is no other, and that um, anything that is opposed to him exists as an idol, mm -hmm. right? That is fundamental to kind of kingdom thinking. So I would say that, right, if you talk to someone, you know, an, an, a believer, and you said, all right, well, if you've got, you know, um, some, someone pulled you aside and said, uh, hey, you know, worship this idol. Right. Right, an actual physical statue or something. Mm -hmm. It says, worship this as God. You would go, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. That's pretty obvious. Right? right? You'd be yeah. like, no, I, yeah, I'm a citizen of the kingdom, of the king of God, of the, of the, of the kingdom of God. I'm not going to bow down to right. this thing. Mm -hmm. I think we're comfortable with that sort of idea. But really, all those other things that you mentioned, mm -hmm. if we viewed it through the lens of idolatry and saw it in the same way, mm -hmm. um, might we approach it differently? So you talk about pornography or anger or these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you love God, if you're a citizen of the kingdom, if you're following Christ, do you view that as idolatry right do you see that in your mind as equivalent to bowing down mm -hmm. to you know some sort of graven image right but i think we don't often view it through that lens like if we, you looked at pornography or any of these other temptations as uh daniel did with nebuchadnezzar yes right yeah. bowing to an idol that was created do we look at these temptations like that as idolatry? Yeah, as in defiance of the kingdom, right? Of, of right. that mentality that we mm -hmm. have a king that we have allegiance towards mm -hmm. and that king is our father, right. right? And I don't think we often think of it in those kinds of, mm -hmm. of terms. Because it's not so outright. Yeah, yeah. and I think, uh, honestly, you know, we try and you know, we keep these sort of sins as like, you know, keep them for later right we kind of yeah keep them in our pocket that kind of thing mm -hmm. but if we viewed them through the lens of idolatry um i think that can be helpful for us mm -hmm. uh in you know combating practically evil with the power and presence of the kingdom of god yeah i think that's really helpful i think that's helpful for all of us um one of the biggest takeaways i got from your message today um, was that this battle is real. Um, I know Romans 13 says that we should make no provision for the flesh. Yeah. Um, what does that practically mean? That means uh, not giving a foothold to these idols in our lives. And are we taking practical steps in our life to make no provision for those things? Um, thank you, Pastor Billy. Um, I know that this was extremely helpful and I hope that we can use these things um, going into the next week. So as we...
get together with our families uh, this evening, what are some thoughts that you would, thoughts and questions you'd like us to think about um, going into next week? So first, um, I'd just ask, can you think of a test or trial that you may have gone through that has ultimately nurtured your spiritual growth? And in thinking about that, how, how might this affect how you pray about temptation going forward? So that's one. Secondly, it's just kind of a, a question of, of self-examination. And that is, do you ever view yourself as impervious to certain temptations? And I feel as though we kind of maybe sometimes have the, the, the view that we say, oh, that, you know, that's uh, that I've never happened to me or I would mm-hmm. never. Right. And if you were really to think about that for a moment, what? What spiritual unhealth might that reveal in your life? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's secondly, and then thirdly, we talked about a cup, uh, three faulty approaches to evil and, and understanding evil. Um, in the sermon, we talked about one is that the head in the sand approach right. when it comes to evil. Secondly, was the approach where your perspective is just dominated by evil. And the third was the, the self-righteously attacking evil approach. Um, so just a question of which of those faulty approaches do you think you might tend towards? And how can praying this sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer help you guard against that? That's wonderful. Thank you, Pastor Billy. I know that these are all questions and topics and issues that are um so important for us to not only just listen to, but to apply in our lives. So until next time, let us continue to strive to live all of life to the glory of God.